Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Friends, welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast. What's up? This is Dan Staten, your host. We're sitting down today with a dude who is pretty relatable he's um he's an attorney he does uh acquisitions and mergers but he's also like a really committed fairly new hunter out of california don't hold it against him and he's trying to get in a little bit into the hunting industry especially in the production and filming of hunts so we're going to kind of have a deep long conversation about how to go about that if you're interested in maybe doing that how to obtain sponsorships. That's one of the most common questions I get is like, how do I get into the industry? Uh, how do you make money? What is your model? And, and things like that. But we also get to know him as a family man, as an athlete still to this day, competing at Javelin at one of the highest levels. And then really him showcasing his ambitions, his goals. He's just advertising his goals, which I love. And he's got a side hustle. And you know I love that. So it's a great story. It's a good listen. His name is Nick Howe. And we're going to get to know him better. Here we go. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast Season 6 with your host, Dan the Fitness Man. Thank you for tuning in. We are excited to have you. This is the podcast that is dedicated to hard work, disciplined decisions, and year-round training in the pursuit of the best possible version of ourselves. We leverage elk hunting to create a pathway. We understand that time is finite and we cannot squander a second. We must be leaders at our home. We understand that faith is our number one priority. Then family, then fitness, then health, then wealth. Our year-round disciplined decisions help us leave a legacy for our family to follow. You will leave here motivated, inspired, and educated. We bring on a wide variety of guests subject matter experts so that you can tune in get what you need to get 
and continue on your journey. We are blessed to call ourselves Elk Hunters, Season 6. Here we go. Guys, what's up? Elk Shape Podcast, sitting down with a dude who throws a javelin. Apparently, we're going to find out about that. Uh, Nick Howe, where are you from, brother? I'm from San Jose, California. And where are you? You're hopping on an airplane in a couple hours. Where are you headed? Yeah, I'm headed out to Tucson for a Tucson Elite Meet. It's this meet that has like a great vibe to it. And it's where I threw my personal best throw 2013. Uh, it's where uh, my wife and I have a lot of good memories down there in Arizona at this meet. So it's going to be a, a really fun atmosphere. And it's great to be able to, you know, still go after 10 years of hitting the same spot. Uh, what's your PB? PB is 78 meters 41. And uh, I did that in 2013 at this meet. So it's a it's a good, good place for me. Fun fact, my wife, I think she still has the job record at uh, University of Montana. She's oh, a thrower. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome, man. It, yeah, it is, I, I... but it's not because she literally <laughs> can throw a baseball. And I played baseball. She throw a baseball further than me, harder than me. She's got oh, an man. arm. I mean, our wives are always going to know just how to how to get us, man. My wife, um, I met on the track team at UC San Diego, and she's a 400-meter runner. She can mm-hmm. smoke me. You know, she's just so fast. Um, she actually has a school record at UC San Diego in the 400. And then she's like second or third in the 100, second in the 200. So your wife. What, <laughs> what is her What is her personal best 400 meter? For those listening, that's one time around the track, all out. Yeah, yeah. So she did a 52.9, which was good for, I think, like 46 in the whole world. That year she did it in 2013 uh, or 14. But the thing is, the U.S. is so strong in the sprints that she was like 40th in the U.S. Like, there's just so many good sprinters uh, here that her world ranking was great. And then her U.S. ranking was just like, okay. Do you know how many people are under the illusion? And I'm talking to listeners that they think they can break a minute on a 400 meter right now. Like, they're like, oh, dude, I could stretch out and I could break. I could go sub 60 on a 400. And I'm here to tell you, no, you could not. (laughs) Yeah, I would say like 90, 95% of guys are like, oh, yeah, sure, I could do it. But then you hit that last curve, you come around that 300 meter, 200 meter mark, and you're like, oh, this is different. (laughs) You know, you just get totally locked up in that last hundred. It's just, it might as well be a mile. You're not going to go. It might as well. Yeah. Yeah. And what's crazy is to that she's multi talented at different, like, there's, there's arguably some considerable different energy systems involved from 100 to 200 to a 400. And she's obviously had success in all three. Um, that's impressive. But we're not here to talk about your wife, man. We're here to talk about you. <laughs> well, she's part of me. You know, she's my better half. So she's going to leak into all this stuff that we talk about. Um, How long y'all be been married? I am without her. Uh, we got married in 2014. So we gradu- I graduated undergrad in 12. We met in uh, 2008. So it's... You know, we dated for a long time and then got married. And so it's coming on nine years now. Okay. And you're still pursuing this thing. Uh, do, do you have a, like an end goal or a dream or are you just trying to see where you're at? Uh, what's your objective? Yeah. So going back a little bit in college, I just walked on the team. I never had aspirations of like being the best javelin thrower when I was younger. You know, I have three brothers. So the four of us were always banging around. getting into trouble and doing a ton of athletics so if if it wasn't one of our sports tournaments it was our brother's sports tournament that we were going to so it's baseball basketball football all growing up um so I went into college at UC San Diego thinking like I'm just going to focus on 
you know, my degree and having a good college experience, but then I just couldn't, I couldn't function without athletics. So I walked on the track team and I turned out to be pretty good. I busted my butt and won two NCAA championships at the division two level. And then I didn't really have a mark that should have made me think, yeah, I can do this. Cause I threw like 70 meters in college. You had to throw like 80 to actually make a team like an Olympic team probably. But I was like, no, I can do it. And I was just stubborn and I thought I could do it. And over the next few years, you know, I threw far enough to, to really have a shot at it. 78 meters is pretty close to 80. Um, and ever since then, I just haven't stopped. It's just part of my life. It's part of what I like to do. I've fallen in love with the process. And so the goal is to do it for as long as I can and be as healthy as I can. But in, the, in falling in love with that process, I made the Olympic trials in 2016 made the Olympic trials again in 2021. And now, you know, the goal is to make trials for Paris, if not a team. It's, it's tough to see now because as you get older, you know, your body breaks down. And instead of just like going out in my backyard and jacking cleans, I have to go and like do two hours of prehab rehab. So it's a different beast than it has been. And it's harder now, frankly. But uh, yeah, the goal is make Olympic trials in 24 and you know, the pie in the sky dream is make the actual team. Mm, I love it. Uh, we'll have to get into your prehab, you know, rehab, <laughs> because that is a huge, that's a huge thing for me. Um, mm -hmm. Not by choice, just by the way that my body yeah, it's, it's never by choice. You know, you never think, mm, you know what, I want to go do some prehab today. Because what you want to <laughs> go is do bench press and squats and cleans and like, get after it immediately. But Amen. it takes just more time to get going now. The javelin throwing is so hard on your body it is yeah. a transfer of energy from the ground to the extension of your fingertip and mm -hmm. it takes a tremendous toll on your back and the rotational forces um have you had any severe injuries uh yeah so i bulged a disc in my back in 2014 and that i kind of attribute that to why i didn't carry that success from 2013 forward and then i've uh partially torn the ucl uh, in my elbow and then I've mm -hmm. partially torn the labrum up here in the shoulder so it's like all those things together kind of ache individually time to time and I'll have to do extra stuff with them um, they all could have had surgery but I pushed hard against surgery and just try to keep up on my rehab or prehab or just basically now it's just part of life is having those kind of weird things um, I also can't feel these two fingers on my left hand, the ring or pinky finger, because it's just something in my neck has given up this year. So it's all sorts of stuff, man. Um, I broke some bones in my plant foot throwing javelin, and then I broke my ankle uh, motorcycling, which made javelin harder. But yeah, there's been a ton of <laughs> chips on the block that uh, have prevented me from training the way I want to, but it's all just lessons along the way. Well, we should hear a little bit about your prehab. Uh, I will just throw this out there. I So we have a fitness app or, or whatever that mm -hmm. we're doing. And honestly, all I do for that is write the programming. Um, I don't have much more capacity than that. But I personally have been working on my post-workout cool-down mm -hmm. mobility, which like I'm trying to stretch the soft tissue as well, besides the muscles. And right. so I knew that I needed to be told what to do. Maybe I know what to do, but if I didn't have like a program to follow, I wouldn't do it. So I just bought, <laughs> um, I just re-upped my membership with GoWOD. It's an mm -hmm. app, G-O-W-O-D. 
And it's pretty slick. I mean, you get to put in, you punch in the movements that you did or the stimulus, and then it offers up like a, a percussion gun routine, uh, a lacrosse mm. ball, and then some some ASIS band stretching stuff. Forced me to go eight to 12 minutes, which isn't a lot of time, but it's just an extra, that time adds up, Nick. Like if you do yeah. 12 minutes a day, five days a week, you've really, you put together an hour of mobility work that you hadn't done before. And it's really making a difference. I'm noticing less and less aches and pains and potential mm-hmm. injuries along the way. But what does your prehab look like? And, and who do you work with? How did you get it? Give us some information. Yeah. So my prehab is through my coach, Mike Hazel, and through my PT. Mark Sasso or sport clinic in San Jose. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mike Hazel is a 2008 Olympian and he's my coach now. And so he just has this like big uh, data set of prehab stuff from when he was injured back in the day that he's given to me. And so I'll go through there and it's basically just like, what's wrong? What did Mike do? What can I do? And then I go into my PT Mark and I say, Hey Mark, this is what's going on. How do we prevent this from happening in the future? How do we like fix this now? So for me, it's just like a constant game of catch up. So I'll do it in my warm up routine. I have a throws warm up, a weightlifting warm up, and a sprint warm up, and they're all different to different um, focuses that I'll have on that day, right? So yeah. my throwing warm up has a bunch more side to side activators, more glute activation, rotational ball throws. Um, I'll roll out my IT bands on that throw day more. I'll go with the softball and hit the glutes all before I go and throw. And then on a sprint day, everything is more linear. So I'll have like high knee skips and then I'll go in from high knee skips into like active stretches on those quads. So every day has a specific focus and the prehab for that day is in the warm up. And then when I get home at night, I'll do like, a short five to 10 minute bike and then stretch. So I'm not stretching cold muscles, but it's like, I'll, I'll go throw or lift in the morning and then I'll work all day and then I'll come home and try to hit that mobility in the evening. That's a lot of discipline. It, 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 it would be a lot of discipline if it, if I knew how to do anything else, it's just, I've been doing this so long and I like how I feel so much and the things that I do and the time I get to spend with my kids while doing all this stuff that, um, at the, at this point, it's the easiest thing to do because I've just set it up to be, you know, my lifestyle. Yeah. And that's, that's a great like place to pause and be like lifestyle, not something that is foreign to you. Something that is integrated, something that is seamless, something that, I don't know, your body is a reflection of your lifestyle choices straight up. Yeah. You're not happy totally. with what you see it across from the mirror. That's on you, man. That's on your decisions. No one else. And yeah. uh, I'm I'm impressed with um, that. What that you're still motivated, you're still diligent, and you're still chasing something that honestly could slip through your fingers at any time. And and I, I respect that. But we didn't bring you on to talk about any of that today. We actually brought you on today to talk about hunting a little bit and some of the media and some of the stuff you're working on. So let's give it a snapshot of like where you at in your hunting career and what media are you working on as well. So I'm still really young in my hunting career. I didn't grow up hunting a ton and it wasn't because my dad didn't like hunting. It's just, he had four boys and we we're always <laughs> doing athletics. And that was the focus. Yeah. He would like take time off of work to come coach us. And, you know, he's the biggest uh, supporter of my athletic career and you know he's the best dad. So I can't hold anything against him for not taking me hunting more, but he was doing a ton for us. Um, yeah. 
then when I, I got done with college, I was like, you know, I really want to get out in the woods more and find some more peace out there. Um, so let me start looking. The thing is when you're in a big metropolitan area like San Jose, Bay Area, and California, the closest uh, like public land that I could hunt is some like three hours away or two and a half hours away, depending on which way you go. So it's not like I could just kick off after school or after work and go hunt. So I was in kind of a, like, how does this happen? How do I make it work? So I wound up not going, you know, because it was hard. And I had athletics to do. Uh, but finally, I found this Wilderness Unlimited membership, uh, and they have, like, um, ranches that they lease throughout the California and Oregon. And it's a great club, really supportive members. Uh, you have to, like, call to make a reservation. There's, like, a few, I don't know, 600 members, the thousand members, I'm not sure. You call to make a reservation on one of these properties, you may or may not get that reservation but only club members are out there. And so I was like, great, this is a good use of my time because I, I can't just spend three hours to go wander in the woods with my gun anymore because I've been doing that for like three years and it hadn't been paying off. So finally, like that happened and I started going out in the woods more. And then finally, 2019, uh, I got my first buck. And that's when things kind of changed because I got I finally, after those years of, not failures, but years of learning without... <laughs> uh, having any meat to put in the freezer you mm -hmm. kind of like go go hunting you're like this is okay and then i got that buck in my hands and meat in the freezer i was like i have to do this more <laughs> i got that need to do it more so after that i went on um guided colorado elk trip blew my mind i went um pig hunting and started just doing everything i could to get out in the woods as much as possible while still you know focusing on my family focusing on my job and focusing on athletics. Um, so what ended up happening is I started going more and more and found more success. So I'm about five or six years into it. I wouldn't say that I'm a great hunter, but I do think I've, I've made some mistakes and I've learned some lessons that other people can learn from. And so now what I'm doing with my brother Nash is just putting together some films. We're going to go out to Montana, Arizona, and California this year and just put together some media that shows the hunt from not an expert's perspective, but just someone who's trying to make it work. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's great content from guys who are just like experts like yourself, Remy Warren, the mediator guys, like all those people are phenomenal experts. Um, and I think they make really good content, but um, I think it would be fun to just see what I do out there with my brothers and uh, how we can get after it. Yeah, I think it's going to be they're... gorgeous and beautiful because Nash is a phenomenal producer. So that's what we're doing. So Nash is your brother younger or older? Younger. So I'm the oldest of four brothers and Nash is the gotcha. third of four. So he is the producer type, which I know all about. So is he the one that's going to be running the camera and doing the editing or is he mainly just a producer in the field going to keep the storyline running? What are you thinking? So he and I are both going to do the shooting, filming, keep the storyline together but he just has so much more experience in how to make things happen. So it's basically just going to be like if he and I were going hunting and we both had cameras. Um, so he's going to do most of the shooting. He's going to have a nice camera. I'll have the not as nice camera. You know, he'll be like leading me along uh, in that department. And then I've been hunting a lot more than he has. So I'll be, you know, trying to direct him so we don't spook things too much or get uh, <laughs> blown out of things. Okay. I see. Um, that's pretty exciting, man. Um, do you think at some point 
you guys are going to hire videographers so that you can focus on hunting? Or do you think that right now you guys are just like, just going to give this a go and try to produce good films? Like, what's the vision? The vision is just to give it a go together and produce good films. I have this outlook on life, right, of, of having it balanced properly. So as part of that, I'll like bring my kids into the woods with me, even though I'm not going to get an animal probably with my six-year-old <laughs> asking me where the snacks are and stuff. And I'm okay with that because I get to spend time with her. Um, so with this production, I want to make as, as beautiful a thing as I can together with my brother. And if that means that maybe I don't get an animal or that um, things don't work well financially on this thing, then at least I will have made this beautiful thing with my brother and we'll have spent super good quality time together. And that's really what's most important. Ideally, we would put these things together and we'd be able to share them with people and you know, financially it'll make sense. But I think at the core of it, we're focused on just making something that's really polished and well put together and that we really enjoy. It's time to interrupt this podcast and pay some bills. Give some shout outs to my partners. These are the cornerstone to the Elk Shape brand. Shout out to Matthews Incorporated, shooting the phase four, 29, 33 in 2023. Really excited about the split limbs. We're talking the quietest, most vibration-free bow on planet Earth. Shoot it at a local dealer near you. Vortex Optics, running the UHDs, running the Viper 3000 for rangefinder. If you are in the market, eurooptic.com, discount code Elk 10 takes 10% off. If you want some of that Vortex wear, including that Sunslayer hoodie, discount code Elkshape takes 20% off. On X Hunt Elite membership, discount code Elkshape 20% off. Access to all 50 states. Complimentary membership to Top Rut. The most precise draw odds out on the market. You also get Hunt Reminder. Never miss a draw deadline. And it's the most robust platform proven in the backcountry for accuracy. Numa Outdoors, that is the hunting clothing I wear in the backcountry. Discount code Elkshape20 will take 20% off. Kufaro coming out with the new backpacks in 2023, the new Bino Harness. Check it out at kufaro.net. Their website has been updated. Best backpacks, best frames on planet Earth. MagView, discount code Elkshape, 10% off. Digiscoping made easy. Made in America, lifetime warranty. Wilderness Athlete, new discount code, 20% off. Elkshape 2023. Enter that. Check out the Elkshape packages. Links are in the show notes. You can see the Elkshape stack that I take year-round, as well as my September stack, and include the Mrs. Elk Shape stack. Buck knives made in the USA. They're my neighbor 20 minutes down the road since 1902. Two different style of knives for the backcountry this year. Check out the Pack Light series. There's four different offerings there if you want to save weight or check out the new Alpha Scout or the Alpha Hunter. Both will be in my kill kit in 2023. Crispy Hunting, Brickstall's Mountain GTX. That is my new favorite boot. Been testing it for the last six weeks, putting it through its paces. This is an awesome boot. It's got a flex rating of three and it's very universal, well-rounded, all mountain, all types of hunting. Check it out. You can order online and if it's not the right fit, you can send it back for the right size. Crispy is made in Italy. Stealth Cam, non-cellular and cell. They have a new cellular coming out actually i have my hands on it it's got on demand so if you want to get a picture anytime you want you can press a button they also have the regular 4ks which i'm 
a huge fan of leaving trail cameras out year-round, especially on Elk Wallows. Discount code ELKSHAPE20 will take 20% off on non-sale, and ELKSHAPE10 will take 10% off cellular. Marsupial, get the enclosed bino harness with magnets. Never have brush debris in your bino harness. And check out the new hip quiver as well. That's just out, as well as their bow case, rifle case. I rock them all. Baku e-bikes, discount code ELKSHAPE, $300 off. If you're in the market, use where legal, they are stealth mode. And always, Black Ovis, 10% off any purchase. Discount code ELKSHAPE plus free shipping, and it's fast. Last but not least, we have Sheep Feet, Fatty, Alien Gear, Crossover Symmetry, Canvas Cutter, discount codes in the show notes. Back to the podcast. What are some of the things that you have consumed media-wise where they inspired you to do this? Or you're like, man, those are some best practices? Because you've mentioned polished a lot. And I get it because there's a lot of stuff out there that is not polished. Doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's not polished. What What are you out there seeing that you that you find entertaining or educational or just quality that has inspired you? Well, I think your films, the gritty films, those are amazing films, right? That are are super inspiring to get out there and get into the wilderness. The thing is, I can't watch those films with my wife as much because she <laughs> gets tired of people whispering at her. I was yes. like, man, if we could make something that is entertaining and that uh, can help people learn about the outdoors in an engaging manner, then then we'll have something really special. So what I want to put into these films is more of like an educational spin, a little bit more entertaining because it's going to be me and my brothers giving each other the business <laughs> while we're out there. Um, but it, it's less to me about being polished because all of y'all make incredible content, but I just want to put it make some stuff that uh my wife will want to watch with me <laughs> there's That's a few a things that she'll hit on yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> would your wife actually watch the whole thing i don't yeah. watch hunting stuff i just hardly do um and if i if she hears bugling like she usually is like god because it's like a hunt it's like a, a youtube somebody's hunt and they bugle it blows out your speakers in post they don't <laughs> check their decibel you know they they don't put a limiter on there um and then they're whispering with no subtitles which i have been very guilty of not doing in my productions <laughs> and it's like she'd rather watch paint dry to be honest with yeah. you but <laughs> she did watch a film with me from start to finish recently and it was cameron haynes's um we were once wolves or i think yeah. that's the title and him and Kip on Alaska bear hunt um, post his friend Roy passing. And I watched it start to finish. Now I am, uh, I would consider Cam a friend. We got a long, long history together. Um, are we best friends? Do we text weekly? Absolutely not. Um, but we always pick up where we left off. And so I'm biased, but I watched it and I'm like, Braylon Shockey killed this. This is, he's the guy who filmed totally. and produced it. I'm like, this edit is incredible. And then I log on to, oh, dude, I'm going to, okay, I think it was Rock Slide, but I'm not sure. And I um, I know Ryan Avery has Rock Slide, and a lot of people go to Rock Slide because you can buy gear there, but there is a forum yeah. section, and that is a cesspool mm -hmm. for the most, for majority speaking, I would say most of the dirt bags that <laughs> do shit with their life, yeah. who just uh -huh. like to talk shit, go to forums. Um, and yeah. it used to be that way, but pre-social media, 
and so it makes me laugh that those things still exist but there were several threads on there absolutely bashing the production and picking out things that were i thought really well done and so it's it made me pause and think well maybe my tastes are just different than theirs it also yeah. made me think well maybe a lot of these guys deep deep down have maybe jealousy issues they're jealous they're just straight up jealous of what cam's done for himself oh, totally. um and i'm sure yeah. that's part of it um but i was really trying to dig into like are any of these things that they're saying like warranting the critiques and i finally decided that maybe a little but not at the end of the day not much like i thought that was one of the most i just thought my wife sitting down and watching it from start to finish and tearing up at the end was like the ultimate screen test for a good production and to hear you say totally. that's kind of like your goal i feel like that's that's key man yeah because you, you want to bring other people into this uh, lifestyle that you're living and i brought her into it i've taken her to arizona hunting coos deer with the bow um and she's done great she like loves being out there she has a better eye for games than i do she's <laughs> she's spotting more uh deer than me and you know the other people we're hunting with all the time so she's about it but she's not about you know just watching somebody whisper at her so i think it if there's a human story that you can tell or if there's a um a story about the species that you can tell and it, that will draw people in i think that's going to be you know really successful i agree i think it's i found it very very difficult to get mm -hmm. my style of elk hunting legit storytelling one i'm difficult to film the way that i hunt <laughs> it's just difficult to film that um, yeah. i don't feel like stopping and talking or explaining what i'm like i'm just um i just hunted a different cadence than probably some people and it's been really tough to capture it i've also noticed that mm -hmm. having the camera there spoils a little of what i love to do um and the fact that like i don't care if we get a kill shot on camera i've been pretty right. outspoken about that um i the last thing i want to do when i get back to campus charge batteries dump footage and <laughs> talk about the production and are we telling a story but those things are very very critical um if that's what you're setting out to do and i've been on a journey with youtube for a long time to where i've just decided um at like a maturation level to pour gas on fires that are burning pretty bright and i'll be honest that my hunting films i wouldn't call them that i would call them the documenting my hunts has mm. not yielded like the juice ain't worth the squeeze bro like we <laughs> i i pay for yeah. a camera guy a very good day rate mm -hmm. i have to have a camera guy with me so he's learning all my hunting spots what if he eventually goes and does his own thing well right i hunt majority of public right land <laughs> i'm burning my spots i'm really trusting this person um, mm -hmm. I'm making the hunt harder because we got to stop and film things and wait for things. And, um, then you come back home and I'm an editor. So I've um, edited majority of anything you've ever seen on elk shape. I've probably edited, uh, to some degree. And so you come home with a thousand gigabytes of 4k video that bogs down your computer. And then I lock myself in a hole and I freaking edit and come out with like 11 day series yeah that gets 50 percent of the views 
of a video that I would make in a half hour on how to do some sort of tuning hack or how to make right, your own arrows. I'm like your 300 yard shot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, screw this. This is dumb. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't see the value and I don't companies I work with don't ask me to make films for them. And so for me, I'm just not worried about filming hunts going forward. Yeah. But I would no, say for totally you from like a business perspective, like hitting those mm-hmm. more consistent short posts more often are is going to get your platform moving forward at a much higher rate than making like a long form film. But for, for me, I think is where you're going. Like, have you ever had your grandpa tell a story and you're like, man, can you imagine if someone had filmed that? That's what I want to have. So like with my brothers, we're all kind of in this like peak era of our lives. We're late twenties, early thirties. This is what we were doing at that time. This is how we were hunting. This is what we were doing. This is what we looked like. These are the stupid jokes we played on each other. And if that makes money, great. And if it doesn't make money, then it doesn't make money. But, you know, my son, Ralph, will have kids and he'll be like, look at what grandpa was doing. And I think that's, you know, the coolest part to me. I cannot argue with you at all because I feel like I can go back and watch some of the stuff I have documented for the last 10 years Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I got hard drives full of footage and it is really neat to relive some of those memories and to be able to, to share that. Um, But you've said monetize a few times. So let's get into the thing that most people don't talk about, but everybody wants some sort of way to get paid to hunt. Like at least they think that, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But um, how are you going to monetize your efforts? What is your vision for that? So I'm going to start, I've already started uh, banking up these blog posts about things that I've done, but not, filmed so like mistakes i've made and stories from um you know my life that i think are applicable to this outdoor endeavor that we're doing um and so we'll start driving people to that site with those blog posts and again those are more of like a an artistic outlet for me because i'm an attorney i deal with like very concise short uh specific wording all the time and as someone who grew up really liking the written word, it's very constraining to always be in these like short, concise, specific languages of law. So those stories are more of an exercise in long form, making something that I really enjoy making. And then I'll put those out there uh, on a regular basis starting in June and um, start people start driving people to the website with that, doing podcasting, driving people to the website with that. And eventually, if I can... Uh, drive enough people there and then get these films sold to another YouTube channel or to um, whoever's willing to pick them up, then in an ideal world, that more than pays for my hunting. And that gives me a little jingle on the side, right? Um, In worst case scenario, I make very little money and this is a loss and I get to write it off on my taxes. Wow, you're like a businessman. What do you do? What's your normal job? I do mergers and acquisitions. Um, okay. So I advise clients who want to purchase another entity or set up a platform entity that they use to purchase other uh, businesses. So uh, I kind of have my my hands in that business like formation and growth world. Um, and that's what I do is my job, my real job, you know. And if I could bring some of that skill into this endeavor, great. But I kind of I like to separate those two things and kind of have them a little bit uh, divorced from each other 
I think that's important. Yeah, I think otherwise that's, this, this will just become another job and it'll just not be as fun, you know. That's really, man, that's really insightful. And I think for those listening and potentially considering a way to monetize your passion like hunting, um, my greatest advice that is unsolicited, by the way, is to go make a royal S ton of money outside of hunting <laughs> and then just spend money on hunting. Yeah. That's you know what I mean. What I, I'm doing, yeah. <laughs> Try it, yeah. Because then you're like, you're free. You have the freedom to do you and um, and really, I don't know. Careful what you wish for. Like if you were to, and I'm not talking to you. I'm just anyone listening. Is if you were really ho- like gung ho on trying to make a go in the honey industry, um, it's very competitive, like anything. And um, you have to stand out. There's, yeah. there's that is the that is like the main prerequisite. Whether it's your personality, or maybe your, it's your looks, your aesthetic, which you guys can't tell here, but Nick's a good looking dude. Um, it's your aura, or your energy, or your knowledge, or et cetera, et cetera. It has to be something that yeah. attracts people and keeps them engaged or whatever and i don't know the secret sauce honestly guys um one thing that i've tried you gotta be lucky you gotta work hard i agree so have to be lucky so like everyone can work hard but only a few people are gonna get lucky i agree and there's some intersection of hard work and luck where if you can't have one without the other and i would completely agree with that sentiment um but i do know that if you're passionate about hunting um passionate about sharing these stories That'll bleed through. That'll leak, to use your word from earlier, that'll leak into your productions. And you can't manufacture passion like that. Yeah. That's one thing that people will sniff out right away. Either you're passionate about it or not. So mm-hmm. that will be cool. Um, I've never thought about, because well, I have a YouTube channel, I've never thought about actually buying content from people. But I'm sure there is a market for that. Um, are you, yeah, do you those- have any contacts mm-hmm. for that? No, just blind optimism. <laughs> Love it. But look, Nash is so good at what he does. Like my brother Nash has worked and done commercials for On Running, for Nike, for Aston Martin, uh, for all these companies. And they've been on like nationally broadcast television. He's just a, a tremendous artist and he can make beautiful things. So it's like if we can make something with Nash's amazing artistry and my passion for the outdoors, then it's going to be a really nice product. And so whether we sell that to like, just like ring, I would just like ring up someone like the born and raised guys who have a big following or the greedy guys who have a huge following. And I have to assume that if they talk to me and we get to know each other, or if I talk to you, we get to know each other, you like me, then you could pay a certain amount of money to have like solo rights to that content. And I don't care because as long as it's out there and people are viewing it, then I get to view it later with my kids. Like it's a win-win for everybody. But if I just go put that out there and nobody sees it, then it's not as valuable. Like if I put out all this hard work into a platform that I haven't spent years setting up, like you took years to put get your YouTube channel set up and running. And that's why you have these big views now because you're an expert and you do these things super well, right? And you're worth that money. But if you just put something out without that support and groundwork first, then it's not going to bring in that revenue. But if someone is already at that height, then it's going to bring them really good revenue more than they're going to pay me, right? Because otherwise, it's not a business deal. 
then I think it makes way more sense to have this beautiful thing out there viewed by more people, even if it means like there's a potential less income for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think like YouTube specifically, which I know a little about YouTube, there is a way for your analytics to literally look at one video and mm -hmm. do a rev share model with that said video. So I think you would make, it would be tough to decide the best way to go to a company be like, hey, let's do a rev share model or you need to lump sum me and we and you're basically selling good, like selling hope that the view, the video will crush, right? Right. Um, or right. they're like, well, we'll just get you a percentage of this rev share um, on this video. And then you'd have to have like probably an expiration date. Like I get rev share on this video for mm -hmm. one year. Um, right. And then I don't know how you'll work that out or whatever, but that's probably how you probably want to approach it. The other thing is, is like there are companies that would obviously maybe once you guys make a film, like a proof of concept where mm -hmm. you can bring it to a company. Let's say you go to crispy boots. I work with crispy. Let's say you go to crispy and like, Hey, here's a sample of our work. We want to make this hunting video here. We want you to be the title sponsor. We will feature your boots throughout the video, soft selling it. We're not going to just like crispy, crispy, crispy. It's just going to be, you right. know, in, integrated or injected here or there. But at the beginning and the end of the video, we're going to roll credits towards this is a production, you know, by the company. I think there is still an appetite for companies like that. Um, and there's mm -hmm. also options like maybe you guys do a full draw film video like you, you maybe have mm -hmm. an epic hunt, an epic production. You're probably going to want a kill shot to be in there. I'm yeah. just shooting you straight. And then you submit to the full draw film tour. and. The guy who runs it, uh, I think his name's Jade, would decide if you are in it. And then that thing goes on tour with him. Um, and I don't know how many locations, but 20-something, let's say. And that you get your name out that way. That's a good way to go. Um, there's so many options here. But yeah. I think ultimately, what uh, what are you selling? Are you selling – I guess that's my question for you is, Nick, what, yeah, are, you, so what are you selling? selling great content about the outdoors that's highly educational that your wife is going to want to watch. You know, so I think it's going to be beautiful because Nash is a genius <laughs> and we're going to gorgeous places like pretty much anywhere you go in the outdoors, chasing after elk or goose deer or black tails is going to be gorgeous. And then I think what I want to do is overlay that entertainment and knowledge base about the species and where we are to add to the story. And that's really what you're selling. And so it's this beautiful end product that you have that's going to bring in revenue share, uh, whether it's on an individual basis for like sponsors, like if I went to Crispy or I think Loophole would be a great one to partner with. I like their ethos. Um, those That would be great. And then if we just can bang it together, because I don't really have the time to go after all those sponsorships and just come to someone with four to six episodes of a show and be like, hey, we have this. What is this value to you? because we have this information, we have this uh, education in their entertainment, and it's wrapped up in a package. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There you go. You know, so you can release it at your leisure. I love it. Well. You got your work cut out for you, but let's give you some, uh, give yeah. you some promo right now. What is the name? What is your name? What is your domain? What it, give us the deets, man. Yeah. So everything is the greenhorn productions. That's so the greenhorn productions on Insta. It's the greenhorn productions.com. And so there'll be uh post going live in June on that podcast. Follow. Uh, if you give that Insta a follow, it'll have some pictures from the Colorado hunt that I recently did with Nash and drug him along. And you can kind of see some of his amazing work there. And then if you wanted to check out uh, Nash's other works with those big brands, you can go to nash.how.com or nashhow.com, actually. Yeah, nashhow.com, N-A-S-H-H-O-W-E.com. I'm going there right now. I'm going to rob some bandwidth. Oh, oh very nice. So, okay. Well, when you have a film director, cinematographer, photographer, and musician all in one, we're yeah. talking good quality, good sound design, which really make a video. Um, and I've had, and I worked with producer Tim for quite a while until he bailed and went and did his own thing. Um, I had cameraman Jake for quite a while until we come to reality that I can't really provide enough work for him year round so he's gonna have to focus mm-hmm. more on his welding um i had a kid clem he did not last that long but i sure enjoyed having him but i just don't think he's cut out for filming in the mountains and that's totally fine um it is really hard to find good quality help people that you enjoy being around and still are a professional and that's kind of where i've been yeah. and i'm just shooting you straight like that's been my struggle is to find, I don't, I mean, everyone wants to help. Everyone wants to be a camera guy, but I don't need someone to turn a camera on. That's not, yeah, you that's need not someone what we're to make looking it for. Gorgeous and have that vision of what is going to look best there. And I think that's why I'm yeah. just super lucky to have Nash because otherwise I'd be bumbling around making things that don't look yeah. great. And I would have that like yeah. 10 year lead time versus he's been doing this for 12, 14 years now. Th- that's that's a huge thing. huge advantage yeah. yes and i have really strong arm him in the cabin yeah and it's cool that you guys are blood um i've never really worked with family so i don't know the ins and outs of that um i'm sure there's challenges but it also i think there's advantages um which is pretty exciting the the premise, and I guess for those, I guess I'm going to take advantage of this podcast, Nick, and, and and put it out there. I am looking for help, but I'm looking for somebody who's basically, I'd love to see you as a, fro- a photographer first and foremost. To me, mm-hmm. Nick, a photographer means you can pick up a DSLR, put it on manual, and do all the cool things 
lighting, framing, composition, and you understand ISO, f-stop, um, shutter speeds, and be able to get the look you want to look. The other thing is, I don't really want people to edit, but I feel like if you don't know how to edit, you probably don't know how to film. I haven't met too many people that knew how to film but couldn't edit. It's almost like like I started out as an editor for a TV show. So I got exposed to how to edit, which then taught me how to film to get what I needed to edit. Does that make sense? Totally. And yeah. so for anyone out there who's like really wanting to make a go like Nick and you want to like, dude, learn how to edit. Learn, like start making stuff daily. Even if it's just for TikTok or Instagram or whatever the kids are on these days, make cool shit. Get cool yeah. angles. Learn how to run a camera inside and out from a photography and a vid- videography. Um, run some different editing platforms. Don't just get stuck on Final Cut or Premiere Pro. Like there's several, like DaVinci, run DaVinci. That's what I currently use right now, but I've used them all. And yeah. really become a nerd and a student of capturing good content because it is very competitive. And I don't think you're going to stand out with just an iPhone, friends. I really don't. Right. I think that I think it's more open in the hunting space because there's less people running around the mountains with DSLRs. Um, and it's easy to get a, that kill shot when you're like phone scoped and you get that like nice bull and the vapor trail and everything on your phone. It's possible. But can you imagine how much better it would look if you knew what you were doing and you had that camera? I think it would be the, the, an incredible difference. I couldn't agree more. And. I have an appetite for like, like Brian call. You've mentioned him a couple of times, gritty, like Brian's a buddy of mine and he's an absolute nerd when it comes to filming hunts. And he's definitely got a system in place and, um, try packing around, just try packing around a Sony G lens, 200 <laughs> to 600. It weighs, it weighs just under five pounds for just the lens. Attach that to a body, pack that around. Then maybe pack yeah. around a 70 to 200 and then maybe like something standard, like a, a nifty 50 or even like a 24 to 105. I'm talking lenses now that weight adds up. Then throw an action camera, throw a drone in where legal, throw in a couple action cameras. Oh, throw in batteries, throw in things to charge yeah. it. Congratulations. You've added 30 pounds to your pack. I mean, I was oh, literally just yeah. self-filming my bear hunt um, three days ago. And I literally was so sore from having a heavy backpack around my neck and traps. I hadn't been lugging around 70 pounds for months. And I felt that. And um, I always kind of laugh when people are like, I want to do that. Well, it kind of sucks. Careful what you wish for. And I'm not (laughs) discouraging. I want to encourage everyone to go for it, man. Um, We'll make it. But the reality is the competition is good. (laughs) It is really hard. But it is so worth it to capture it. Um, yeah. Well, let's finish with this, Nick. What is your hunt portfolio looking like for fall of 23? Yeah, so I'm pretty booked up. Uh, I'm going to do Oregon. So last year I killed that amazing bull in southwest Oregon, uh, I think the first week of September. So I'm going to be going back up there that first week of September for the Western Archery elk opener. I might pick up a, a buck tag too because there's just – I think in one canyon, I saw nine legal bucks, and three of them were pretty awesome blacktail while I was out there. Mm. So we're going to go up there, uh, bring Nash with me, my buddy Mike. We'll go up the first week and the last week of September. 
both. Uh, so that's two weeks there. And then if nothing's happening in Oregon, I also got lucky. I drew the Montana deer elf combo. So I'll either pop over there if archery isn't happening in Oregon, or I'll uh, wait and go hunt that rifle season later. And then I have California blacktail, which is uh, July, I want to say, is A zone. So I'll hunt that archery. And then uh, August and September is rifle, depending on where you are in the state. So I'll do that. And then I'll go down to Arizona. Um, I'm debating August, Arizona, because uh, I have a leftover tag that I had last year for archery that's still good in August, I believe. So I'm like looking at doing that. And then uh, we'll go back to Arizona regardless in January to kind of cap mm-hmm. things off uh, for that uh, rut hunt. So that's the kind of three major, four major things I'm looking at. And uh, yeah, we'll see what we can do. I'm going to try to bring my daughter, the six-year-old, on one of the weeks in Oregon to try to test that out. But yeah, that's the the plan. Man, that's freaking rad. I would assume you uh, got some flexibility in your current career to be able to hunt that much. Yeah, so I have to like do it strategically and not uh, leave in the middle of a deal. So like that first week of September could turn into the second week sort of thing. Um, But yeah, yeah, as long as I keep all my clients happy and uh, the deal volume doesn't get too crazy, then I can hunt strategically and like work from the road if I'm traveling somewhere or just, you know, always be available. So I have like a cell phone range extender. So sometimes I'll have to take an afternoon off of hunting and go, you know, do, do some deal work. Um, but it's better than just not going at all and sitting at home. Um, so, yeah. Hmm, I love it. Um, tell me a little bit about your, so I know you did the guided hunt in Colorado, like you said, mm-hmm. but you also said you got a pretty good bull in Western Oregon last year. Was that a solo yeah. hunt? That was on uh, Wilderness Unlimited land that they leased from, I think it's Roseburg. It might be a, a different logging company, but it's logging company land. And you can get, um, you know, a pass, I think a truck pass for like 500 bucks a year for all their other land. It just happens to be that the, W has this uh, parcel leased exclusively. So that's what I was up there and I just brought my buddy, Mike, and Mike had never been hunting anything before. (laughs) So it was just, I was like, Mike, do you want to come? And I always invite people and they never come. But Mike was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. And then the next week he was like, I bought a boat. I was like, great. You know, still expecting him to bail out. But, you know, over the next like two months, he got pretty good with his bow. He's a Marine. So Right. He eats the crayons and has great trigger control. So he has a great shot. We got out there. He, you know, he stuck it out. He had never called before. So the whole trip up to Oregon for like, I don't know, 13 hours, he was like terribly bugling <laughs> with the, with yeah. the mouth call to try to get ready. And then um, I don't know if you want the whole story, but yeah, it was, it was a crazy trip. It was just me and him out there uh, trying to get it done. And we got super lucky. So the... The, how so how much land did you have access to through um wilderness unlimited i want to say that ranch is like 4500 acres the club Sweet. has like a hundred ranches like some of them are just for birds so i've never been there some of them are uh, big game ranches some of them are archery only this one is 4500 acres you can hunt turkey in the spring uh spring bear and then elk and deer in the fall um mm. so yeah we signed up and we got to go out there and the first day it was like me and Mike and then one other guy. 
And then, all right, so let me just tell you the whole story because it's pretty rad. So we get out there and there's one other guy there, Brian. And we're like, Brian, hey, what's up, man? You're a fellow club member, whatever. You shoot the stuff, but you'd never want to like give away what you're doing still, right? But you don't want to step on each other's toes and get in trouble with the club. Yeah. So we're like, hey, we're going to go over here. And then at the end of the day, hey, yeah, we didn't find anything. The third day rolls around. We didn't see very much. But we roll down this logging road to a glassing spot. We're like, okay, just get to the glassing spot. And we're going too fast because we haven't seen anything. We're a little low at this point mentally. And I'm like, stop, stop, stop. There's a log. That log wasn't there before. It was a spike just standing up in the middle of this opening. Like, crap. So I like jumped out of the truck and started cow calling and walking down in there because I'm an idiot. And I was like, Mike, you go around. I'll keep their attention. And you try to creep around this ridge and pop up behind them. So sure enough, they just kept looking at me. Meanwhile, like 15, 20 more elk popped up and Mike got around behind them and they're just staring at me the whole time. Mike comes to full draw, but it, that reprod in Western Oregon is just so thick. Mm. He's within like 15 yards and doesn't have a shot. So we're like, what do we do? And then they just meander over the hill away from us. So we're super stoked and we're like, great. So we go around the hill and try to get on them, but they've, they've disappeared. And Mike has no uh, sense of danger. So I'm like, Mike, I'm going to check down this valley. You check down that valley, be back in like 10 minutes. Mike's gone for like an hour. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to like tell his wife that he's died. But then we run into Brian and this guy, Scott Carr, who I think has been to some of your elk shake classes. He's killed a ton. Yeah, I love Scott Carr. Dude, he is the man. So we, I run into them like, hey, my buddy's down here checking for him. This is what happened. Uh, you know, we're going to be over here kind of deal. Scott's like, great. We're going to go around and try to get in ahead of where I think they went. I was like, perfect. You know, you guys get after them. So they go around. Mike finally makes it back and isn't dead and never saw him again. But we were like, okay, let's go around to this other area where my, they might be. But meanwhile, Scott has found them because he's an elk finding fiend, right? And yeah. he, he and Brian text us and they're like, hey, there's no bulls over here. If you guys want to shoot one of these spikes or cows, we come over here and shoot them. So Mike and I are just ecstatic, right? We're like, of course we'll shoot anything because there that tag is is any elk. So you can shoot a spike, a cow or a bull, whatever. Because um, the population is pretty high. I think they're just you know trying to control it a little bit better. So like, great, we're going to go do that. We get there, but in the meantime, Brian has gone around to also shoot a cow, and a bull has come in to, to round up those cows. So we get stuck in between Brian shooting the cow, and then this bull is raging around, uh, gathering up the harem. It's like, oh, man, okay. Well, this isn't what we said we were going to do. And Scott's like, I'm going to go after that bull because Brian shot another cow. Scott said, I'm going to go after that bull. And Mike and I were just so excited to have been – a witness to this experience that we were like, great, we're going to get out of your hair. We'll get out of the way. So we take this road to try to get away and out of their hair and not mess with Scott's hunt because Scott's bugling into this thick reprod to try to get in close with that bull. We don't get like 100, 200 yards down the road and there's just a cow calf standing in the middle of the road. Mike and I pile out of the truck and arrange it at, at 42. Spin my side up. They walk out, but I hear more things coming up through the forest to the right and i'm like great whatever it is i'm going to shoot it as long as it's not scott i'm going to kill it and then it just it popped up and it was the bull it was just 
a gorgeous six by six bull and somehow I kept my cool and and I smoked him. Um hmm. it was just the coolest experience. And then Scott helped us. We went and helped uh, Brian and Scott pack out their cow and then Scott helped us find my bull because it went like two hundred yards in this reprod. We looked for two hours, couldn't find it. We're gonna give up. And then Scott was like, Hey, I think there's a bird over there. Let's go check out that bird. And the bird was like right over the elk. So <laughs> just Scott's elk nose was incredible. And I don't know if I would have found that bull without him. So it was just a an amazing experience and super thankful to Scott for staying and helping us. And he helped us, you know, butcher it up. And he was probably shaking his head a little bit at how bad I was at <laughs> skinning the elk out. But yeah, it was, it was amazing, man. Yeah, Scott's a beast for his age. He's, I think he still competes at CrossFit. He came to an elk shape camp. Um, actually, I think he's been to two. And I stay in touch with him time to time. Um, dude's a gangster when it comes to like setting the tone for a guy who's super hard working in and out of the field. Um, my last question for you, man. When you hunt July mule deer, blacktail in California, is bear season open simultaneously? No, it's not. Bear season doesn't open until later in the year when rifle deer open. Um, and you're not allowed here to carry a pistol. So you're kind of taking a chance going out there for bear in July or for deer in July with the bears out there. Um, I haven't run into any yet and I haven't seen any be a problem yet. But unfortunately, no, no, no bear season in July. Yeah, that's a huge, that's unfortunate because I have hunted blacktail, I want to say in August um, in mm. California, and I saw more bears than I saw deer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there, with all that politicization in California, the, the predator population is just booming. You know, there's more bears and mountain lions and bobcats than I think there has ever been whether it was like pre-Columbian contact or not, this this has got to be the highest it's ever been. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, that's crazy, man. Well, I'm really excited for you, and I'm glad that we got you on. I like bringing on just regular people on the on the show here. It's like somebody I, – I just really relate to what you're doing, what your ambition is, and I really respect what you got going on, not only athletically but in the hunting space as well as trying to – kind of create like your own unique proposition in the world of hunting space. I think that's awesome. And I encourage everyone to go for it because there's plenty of cake for everybody. Just uh, take a risk, bet on yourself. And you don't have any regrets when it comes to the end of your life where I wish I would have tried this. You know what I mean? Like just go for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just go oh, for it. Cool, if it man. doesn't work out, you'll have cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, Nick. So what's uh, one more time, what's your website and what's your Instagram? Uh, so it's thegreenhornproductions.com. That'll be up in June. Uh, you can follow Insta, Insta at thegreenhornproductions. You can find my Insta at Nick Throws, N-I-C-K-T-H-R-O-W-S. And that's just going to be a ton of uh, javelin throwing stuff, mostly in a few of my kids. So that's where you can find out my stuff. Nash, it's at Nash Howe on Insta, and it's nashhow.com. Freaking love it, man. All right, guys. Well, if you weren't inspired, I don't know if you were listening. This guy is going for it. You should do the same. Remember, separations in the preparation. We'll catch you guys on the next one.
friends. Thanks for listening and tuning in. That was a fun listen. Nick, thanks for coming on. You're an awesome guest. Guys, keep your ears to the ground. If you have a blue-collar style hunting friend or peer or someone you look up to who we need to interview, we need to get to know and share their best practices, hit me up, dan at elkshape.com. Let me know. Like I'm always looking for potential, awesome, rock star, humble guests that we can glean and lean and get information from and get inspired by and get educated. You have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts. Thank you sincerely for choosing ours. Keep your head down. September is near. Stay on your grind. Separation is in the preparation. Catch on the next one.